0: Good to see you guys. If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to give you a warm welcome and I want to say hello to everyone watching online. We're glad you are tuned in. And uh, hey, if you're newer to Edinburgh Church and and if this morning you have a child that's three years old or younger and they get a little restless during the service, maybe you didn't feel comfortable dropping them off just yet in our children's ministry, hey, we want you to know we have a new parent room where your kids can play, they can have a good time while you can still watch the service in there. So if they get a little restless later on in the service, feel free to uh, check it out. We're in our series right now, part two of a series called Simplify, uh, Leaving Room for uh, living life with room to breathe. And uh, one of the things I I said last week I hear a lot as a pastor is, hey, pastor, I am am feeling overwhelmed. I am feeling uh, burdened. I am feeling stressed out with life. And that's what this series is about. We want to help you simplify your finances, simplify your schedule, simplify ultimately your heart so that you can have less stress and you can have more peace of mind. So that God can, can bless you, but, but more than that, use your life to be a blessing to others. And, and this morning, we're going to deal with a very important topic. We, we really can't talk about our calendar or our finances until we deal with this issue, which is the issue of contentment. The issue of contentment. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, I just saw in the news yesterday that there is a mega millions lottery ticket over now a billion dollars. Anybody see that? Mega million, can you imagine winning over a billion dollars? That's a, that is a lot of money to think that there's someone who's going to potentially, you know, be walking around, they're going to have a ticket in their pocket that has the right numbers, and they will claim over a billion dollars. I was reading about some, some, some people who have won uh, the lottery over the years. I uh, heard about a couple who won $217 million after taxes, they ended up taking home $158 million. Uh, and the, 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 the experts and the, and the lottery officials said, um, you better take the money and, and hush. Because once people find out you have that money, uh, they're going to want what you have. And then I read about a, a woman named Evelyn Bayshore. She actually won the lottery twice. She won $3.9 million the first time, and then she won 1.4. The next, and she said this, she said, everybody wanted my money. She ended up losing it all. She said, winning the lottery isn't all it's cracked up to be. I won the American dream and I lost it. It was a hard fall and I hit rock bottom. Then there's a man by the name of Curtis Sharp. He won. $500 million, and yet he said he lost it all to booze, babes, and bad investments. He said it's true that a fool and his money will part ways. And then maybe some of you have even heard about Jack Whitaker, heard this story. Jack Whitaker won $350 million, and he lost it all. Uh, It started when he took uh, over half a million into a strip club and was robbed. I hope we can all agree going into a strip club is a bad idea. (laughs) I especially hope we can agree taking half a million dollars into a strip club is a really bad idea. Tragically, his granddaughter would overdose on drugs and die from a loan that he gave her. And then shortly after that, his daughter would overdose on drugs, and she would die as well. And he uh, is famous for saying, I wish I had torn up that ticket. I bring this up because many of us this morning, we we think that if we won the lottery, that, that if we had that kind of money, we think, then I would be happy. If I had that kind of mind, then I would be content, then I would have made it, then I would have arrived in life, and I would be a content and happy person, but this morning what I want to do is I I want to remind us of a principle that is universal and rock solid and one that you can put to the test, and that is this, if you are not happy and content today right where you're at, you're not going to be happy and content even if you get more. Friends, even if you are, even if you get everything you would like to have, if you can't learn how to be a happy and contented person right now, today, it doesn't matter. Because the issue is not your circumstances. That is the lie that so many of us believe. It's our circumstances. It's how much I have. It's my earnings. It's it's my possessions. When friends, the Bible teaches us it's a matter of the heart. And if your heart doesn't change and you can't learn to be content with what you have today, your heart will just be discontent even if you were to win the lottery. Proof of this is a a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller, said to be the wealthiest man of his time ever in American history based on uh, having, having wealth in his day compared to everyone else. And he's famous for when he was asked, what do you need to be a happy person? He said, just a little bit more friends. He was, a, he was a billionaire in the early 20th century. He needed a little bit more. And so this morning, I want us to see that uh, we need to fight. We need to look at what God's word says and, and learn the secret of, of contentment right where we're at, no matter what our circumstance is this morning. The author of Ecclesiastes it's written by a man named Solomon he said this in Ecclesiastes 6:9 he said it is better to be satisfied with what you have think what you have today than to be always wanting something else and we can paraphrase that than to not always be wanting more and feeling like you need more it's better just to be satisfied today and learn the secret of contentment right where you're at this morning that's my question for you this morning are you a contented and happy person today You're a contented and happy person this morning. I want to start off um, by talking about why Solomon would say this. The the, the five damaging effects of always wanting more in our life. And if you uh, grab the handout on your way in, there's an outline on on the back, and you can follow along and fill in the blanks. But I want to start this morning by uh, showing you what Solomon teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs Concerning the five damaging effects of always needing more in our life to be happy. The first problem is it's going to bring more fatigue into your life. Always wanting more is going to to bring more fatigue in your life because you're going to chase after things and you're not going to stop and you're not going to have restraint. Um, The author Tolstoy tells this story of a peasant whose master tells him um, whatever land you can walk across I will give to you at the end of the day. And so this, this peasant takes off and he starts running across the fields only to fall over dead from exhaustion uh, by the end of the day. And, and friends, many of us are dying from exhaustion, chasing after, chasing after more, uh, needing uh, more in our life to be happy. We're, we're fatigued. Proverbs 23, 4 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich, but have some restraint. Be wise, because otherwise you're going to be fatigued. I I said it last week, even if you win the rat race, (laughs) you're still a rat, I want you to think about this. Many of us, we trade the first half of our life, we trade up our health in order to get wealth. And then in the second half of our life, we trade our wealth to try to get our health back. Okay? Think about that, friends. Many of us are fatigued this morning because we're chasing after more, and it's taking a toll on our lives. We've got to learn the secret of contentment. Secondly, more expenses. Did you realize that the more you have and the more you own, the more expenses it's going to bring into your life? You're going to need insurance on those things you buy. You're going to have to pay for repairs. You might have to pay for uh, maintenance or a place to even store it. it. It brings more expenses into our life. We always think the grass is greener on the other side. So is the water bill. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 5.11 Solomon says this the more you have the more people come to help you spend it (laughs) so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers there's a bumper sticker it says uh, we are now or I am now starving on the salary I used to dream of isn't that true Now, starving on the salary I used to dream of. You start making money, and then next thing you know, the goalposts move. And you got to make a little more. It's because our expenses have gone up. Wanting more is going to bring more expenses, not less, into your life. Okay? Three, more anxiety. Always wanting more is going to make you more anxious. You're going to lose sleep worrying about your possessions, worrying about your high-paying job. You're going to to have more anxiety come into your life as a result of always wanting more. Um, I got to tell you, friends, I have never lost sleep over barnacles growing on my yacht. That's because I don't own a yacht, all right? The more we have, the more we find ourselves growing anxious if we don't learn contentment first. Ecclesiastes 5.12. Workers may or may not have enough to eat, but at least they can get a good night's sleep. The rich, however, have so much that they stay awake worrying and uh, i saw a study that said um that in, insomnia increases with income people who end up making more end up having more likelihood of, of of losing sleep okay so if we don't learn contentment it can bring more anxiety into our life chasing after more and accumulating more things in our life and now think about this if you have more fatigue in your life if you have more expenses in your life and you have more anxiety in your life it's going to lead to this fourth one uh, more conflict it's going to lead to more conflict in your relationships. Uh, what's the number one reason for divorce? I mean, that's finances. It's not till death do us part, till debt do us part. All right. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven 27 say, says, he who is greedy for gain, you say she who is greedy for gain, just takes one person, troubles his own family. That, uh, that person who's always chasing after the, the easy money, always chasing after the get-rich-quick scheme or, or, that, or that lottery ticket. Friends, I have never lost a dollar to the lottery. I've never lost a dollar to the lottery. I've never given my money to that. I've never lost a dollar to a get-rich-quick scheme. I have never lost my money to uh, a, a, a casino or something like that. The, the problem is we get ourselves into trouble when, um, and, and, and bring relationships into our marriages and relationships with others when, when we're foolish with our money because of our discontent. 1 Timothy 6:9, the Apostle Paul says, People who long to be rich fall into, tem, into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction you're always chasing after that get-rich-quick, you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna lose. If you're giving your money to the casino, there's a reason those casinos can build those buildings. There's a reason they can offer you that, that buffet and sometimes even put you in a room for free because, friends, the house always wins. The house always wins. And so if you're discontent, you're trying to make easy money, you're going to lose it, and you're going to pay for it, and, and it's going to affect the people that you are close to it's gonna to lead to more conflict and ultimately it's gonna to lead to this one friends number five it's gonna to lead to more dissatisfaction in your life this is the opposite of contentment simply being dissatisfied now the man who wrote this Solomon probably one of the most successful people that's ever walked the earth okay he lived at the most prosperous time he was the king over Israel it was their most prosperous time ever in Israel's history People would actually fly all across, well, not fly, (laughs) I just, they would uh, travel across the world to come see Solomon. We're talking thousands of years ago here. Um, Because of what he was able to acquire in the wealth and the kingdom that he built, uh, he had it all. He had every pleasure at his fingertips, more pleasure than any of you will uh, will ever be able to experience. This man had it all and yet look at what he says in Ecclesiastes 5:10, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Wealth, money, it's a tool. But it's not going to buy you long-term happiness. It's not going to satisfy your soul. Now, I say long-term happiness because I'm not going to lie. Having money and being able to buy some things will bring you some short-term happiness. I mean, let's don't deny reality here, okay? I mean, anyone who says money can't buy you short-term happiness has clearly never ridden a jet ski. Yeah, right? (laughs) Money will buy you a jet ski. But it's not going to satisfy your soul. Even, even the jet ski is going to get old. You ever bought yourself a new pair of shoes and you just felt like hot stuff? Look at, I am sexy, right? In my new pair of shoes. And then what happens? It just takes a few weeks later. You're not even thinking about your new shoes anymore. You, you, you bought that dress and you wore it a few times. You're not even thinking about that dress anymore. That dress seems old to you. Many of you, if I asked, you you couldn't even tell me the five things you got for for Christmas last year. That is how temporary our possessions are. Can't even think about what we got for Christmas. Friends, it won't satisfy our souls. That is the problem. And uh, so you and I, we've got to change that. We've got to work on our hearts. We've got to start practicing contentment. And the Apostle Paul is going to teach us how to do that this morning. God's Word is going to teach us how to do that this morning. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, not based on his circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Friends, we got to learn this secret. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based on the condition of our heart and the things we're practicing from God's word. This is what's going to help us to be a contented person, a happy person in life. It's a secret. None of us are born with it, It's something you and I have got to learn. And so with the rest of our time this morning, I want to teach you three things God's Word teaches us on how to be a more contented person. That's that's what I want for you. That's my heart's desire for you as your pastor is that you would learn the secret of contentment. So here's just a few things you can start putting into practice. It starts with this. Number one, I've got to stop comparing myself to others. I've got to stop comparing myself to others. I've got to stop it. <laughs> this is America's favorite indoor sport, comparing ourselves with other people. You walk into someone's house, what's the first thing you're doing? You are comparing their house to yours. Look at those floors. Look at that decor. Look at that furniture. It's not from Ikea, right? I bet they didn't have to put it together. Look at that TV. I don't have a TV like that. That's a 5K TV. Mine's only 4K. This is what we do. We compare ourselves with other, we, we compare clothing, we, we compare silly things like hairdos. You look at her hair today. Mine looks sucky today. I mean, this is what we do. Silly. And then you add social media into the mix. And friends, I, I, listen, social media can be used for good. I'm all for social media. But social media is influential in our lives, it affects us more than we realize. Some of you, you went on Pinterest and now you are eating salad out of mason jars. You know who you are. <laughs> That's influence, friends. I am all for social media, but it does have a dark side. And the dark side is we have a tendency to compare ourselves. And I just want to remind you, those things you're seeing on social media, you are seeing the highlight reel. You are seeing the highlight reel. You know, you're seeing the the family that went on vacation. You're seeing, you know, the the family having a great time. You're saying, "Why why is my family not going on vacation? Why am I not having a great time like my friend? But you don't realize like 20 pictures were taken and then, you know, edited and then filtered to capture that one shot. And you don't see all the production that went into that. You didn't see the credit card statement that came in after that vacation. And we're watching this stuff and we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people. We have got to stop. Did you know the Bible and that God actually tells us that comparing ourselves with others is wrong? In fact, it's in the Ten Commandments. It's up there with do not murder. It's up there with do not commit adultery. This is the Tenth Commandment, Exodus 20, 17. You must not covet... Anything that belongs to your neighbor. You might want to underline that word, okay, covet. It, 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 it simply means this. That's not a word we tend to use in our culture, but it just means this uncontrolled desire to acquire. It's an uncontrolled desire okay, to a- a- acquire. I-, I want you to hear me on this. I didn't say it's just a desire to acquire. No, it's an uncontrolled desire to acquire. Desire is not bad. I need us to hear that this morning. Uh, desire and ambition uh, are good and, and, and can be from God. Um, there are certain religions out there, there are certain philosophies out there that teach us and tell us that um, desiring things is bad and that desire is the root of all unhappiness. No, 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 no. God tells us we should have desires. God teaches us that we should have ambition. Without desire and ambition, friends, communities never become thriving communities. Uh, Businesses never get started and are able to hire people and be successful as businesses. Uh, People, without desire, you'll never grow as a person. That takes desire. Uh, without desire and ambition, churches won't grow. Churches won't reach more people and, and grow the kingdom of God. Desire and ambition are good when they're in control. I mean, look at what uh, the psalmist says. He says uh, in Psalm 37, For take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. God is not against desire and ambition. He is against uncontrolled desire and ambition and i would con- i would compare desire to fire you know fire on your stove can be a very good thing you can cook food and but fire outside of the stove can burn your house down and in the same way desire and ambition are good when they're in their proper place and our motives are pure but you know your desire is uh out of control when you can't be happy and content because you want something else someone else has. That's how you know, it's, it's and that'll burn your house down. So desire and ambition are good, and God can use them in our lives, but... We've got to keep them in control. And, and maybe one thing you can do next time you start comparing yourself with something else, somebody else because something they have or something they bought, you just say, I'm glad I don't have their bills. I'm glad I don't have those expenses. And it brings us to the second thing that we need to do, which is I need to start enjoying what I have. I need to stop comparing myself to others And I got to start enjoying the things God has given me. Do you realize, friends, God has put good things in your life? If you live in America this morning, you have a roof over your head, and you have a refrigerator in your home. You have things in your life to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Things to be grateful for. Many believers, they have this view of God that God is a cosmic killjoy. Friends, that's not our God. God created us with ears and then gave us music. The primary purpose of music is for our enjoyment. God gave us that. God created us with eyes and then created a a creation that is beautiful and full of wonder that reveals his glory, the Bible says. That's for our enjoyment. God gave us skin so that we can feel. He gave us taste buds and then he gave us Cinnabon. (laughs) Amen? You know, I am so thankful. I, I was kind of, I was, when I first became a believer, I was kind of this like hardcore driven believer, you know, who was just always at least telling myself that I was going to suffer for the cause. And I'm not saying we're not supposed to take up our cross and, 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 and follow Christ because we are. But I am thankful. I am thankful for men and women that God put in my life that, that were living out their purpose, that were living for the glory of God. That were following Jesus and making a difference in people's lives around them and yet could still enjoy life. Those men and those women taught me a thing or two. And I am thankful God put them in my life. And I hope you don't have this view of God as being this cosmic killjoy because he's not. He gave us good things to enjoy that we need to turn back into praise or thanksgiving. Friends, do you realize so much of the things, so many things in our life that are enjoyable are free? They don't even cost us anything, or it doesn't cost us much. You don't have to have a lot of money to be happy. I, I, my favorite place to sit in my entire house—it's this old chair that sits in the back of my house. Okay, we've had it for eight years now. I—it's literally, it is literally falling apart. It has holes in it because this past winter, animals. Literally tore a hole in it and, and lived in it. In the cushions. So it's got holes in it. And yet it's my, I go in the, And by the way, no one will steal it. I don't have to worry. And yet being able to go and sit in this chair, you know, when we have these warm fall days and see the, the changing colors of the trees and the blue skies. I mean, it, it is one of my favorite things. It fills my tank, and it doesn't cost me anything. This past week, uh, Logan and Michaela, my kids, they had a friend come come over named Jack, and we went into the backyard, and we grabbed this old plastic bat, you know, it's, uh, it's like kid's toy bat, and we found a ball, and we went into the backyard and just started having a, a pickup baseball game. And it was me and Danielle versus the kids. And you know, Jack, man, he, he was one. He was, he was swinging for the fences. and uh, he hits the ball at one point, runs to first base. My daughter was helping the field, and she grabs the ball, and she didn't know the rules of baseball, so she throws the ball thing that's how you get someone out. hits Jack right in the head. Jack falls over, but when he comes to, Jack says, "This is fun," (laughs) and he he gets on first base. Says Logan, "Hit the ball!" And so, later on in the game, Jack tries to slide into second. My wife wasn't having it. Danielle steps on the poor guy's hand. Jack says, "Wow, you guys play hard. (laughs) This is great." And then Jack got up at the the last play of the game and just crushed the ball, hit it over the fence. I mean, the kid went home just rejoicing. We all had a blast. It didn't cost us anything, except for a phone call from Jack's parents later on. But no, I'm kidding. No, it didn't cost us anything. We had a blast. Friends, we gotta learn how to enjoy what we have. One of the ways we do that is by just learning to give thanks. You gotta give thanks. We don't just do this at Thanksgiving. We give thanks every day. We give praise every day. Did you know this is God's will for you? You who are parents, you know when you give your child the gifts, is it not so enjoyable when your kids open up that gift and actually play with it and enjoy that gift and use it? There's something enjoyable. When we, as parents, we know we want our kids to enjoy the gifts. We, God is the same way, He is your loving father. You are his children. And we have to practice saying, thank you, God. This is his will for us. It's good for us. Uh, We live in an entitled culture. We we think we're entitled. The Bible teaches us you and I are sinners. We don't deserve anything, friends. But every good gift in our life, it it is evidence of God's grace in our life. And yet, we, there's just so many things we don't give them thanks for. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Not when things are going good. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Rich or poor, we are to start practicing the attitude of gratitude in our life there's so much we can get we can give god thanks the fact that we do have a roof over our head we can give god thanks the fact that we do have access to clean drinking water we can give god access to the fact we just have air this morning anybody like air when's the last time you thanked god for air or toilet paper you don't appreciate something until it's gone right there are so many things we can start practicing this morning, this day. This is God's will for you. Practice that attitude of gratitude. I got to start enjoying what I have. And I'll wrap it up with this last one. I don't want to fill this in. I got to focus on what will last forever. Friends, we got to focus on what will last forever. Material things are temporary. They're not going to last forever. The Bible teaches they're going to rust, they're going to fade. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, so we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last Forever. Friends, we got to learn how to focus on eternal things, things that are going to last forever. The Bible teaches us of a few things that are going to last forever. One thing that's going to last forever is the Word of God. This this book, friends, is truth. This book and and the truths that are found in it will never pass away. Many of us, we don't trust the news that we watch or read, and yet how many of us spend more time watching the news or reading the news that we don't even trust? rather than reading a book that we do, okay? That's why I encourage you every week, be in this book. Be in this book. Read this book. Because this book is eternal. It's filled with eternal truth, truth that will never fade or fail you. The second thing the Bible teaches us will last forever are people. <laughs> people, we, we take each other with us. That's, that's why Jesus gave us a mission, The way we say it here at Edinburgh Church is we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because people are going to live forever and we want as many people, more people, as many people as possible to end up in heaven with us. Amen? Friends, this is why God gave us the mission. He wants as many people to come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ as possible. And when you get on board with this mission, when you live your life in light of eternity and seeing people get into heaven, when you make your life about that, it fills you with eternal purpose. And friends, that will satisfy your soul. Temporary things will not satisfy your soul. Being a part of a mission Christ gave us to lead people into a relationship with him, that will fill your tank. There's nothing more exciting on this planet than leading someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we hear stories every week of lives that are being changed because of of what Christ has done for us. That's why I say, would you join me? And I've been asking you to do that lately. Would you just join me in this mission? It's fun. It's fun. It's exciting when you hear that you just saved someone's marriage and they tell you that. It's exciting when you have someone come up and say, for the, this is the first church I've ever been in where we heard about grace. My fam- I mean, in tears. My family can't tell you what this church has done for our soul. Friends, that is fun. <laughs> so, I, join me in this. You just might find it takes your eyes off of the temporal and it puts your eyes on eternal things that are truly important. We can use our resources. We can use our things to be a blessing to other people and lead them into this relationship. And so, one way you can do that is just by serving. If you need a practical way to do that. Just talk to Pastor Josh or one of us pastors. We'll find something for you to do around here. But, volunteers, I want to say thank you. You're making a difference. Thank you. Thank you. You are the church. It's not me, it's not the worship team. We're just a part we're the body of Christ. We do it together. Ah, I love you. Cuz you're changing lives. And there's one last thing that's going to last forever, friends. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are you at this morning? That's what's going to last forever. Your soul's going to last forever. God wants to spend eternity with you. I want to remind you this morning, Jesus has done everything for you. you don't have to do anything to earn God's love. You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. What you do is you say, Jesus, I accept what you have done for me. You paid the price. You died on the cross. You rose for me. You went and sat at the Father's right hand for me, and you advocate for me today. Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. I want to spend eternity with you. That's all you have to do to come into a relationship with God. God will give you the Holy Spirit, and he'll take care of the rest. He'll start cleaning up your life. He'll help you start walking in obedience, but it starts with just saying, yes, Jesus, I want what you have done for me this morning. Amen. Friends, that's the gospel. It's the gospel. You don't earn it. It's been earned for you through Jesus Christ. Can we say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, thank you Jesus. What kind of great, amazing God is this that loves sinners like us and does it all so that we can spend eternity with him and you can have that this morning, and my hope for you is that you would walk out of here if you don't have that. Having that. Because that relationship will last forever. You can have everything, but if you don't have Christ, you don't have anything this morning. And you can have nothing, But if you have Christ this morning, you have everything you need to be a content and happy person. Can we choose to be happy and content today? We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. We need to start enjoying what we have and giving thanks for it. And we need to focus on those things that'll last forever. Friends, I'm gonna ask you to do this. Could you stand up as I'm gonna read a closing verse for us? If you're able, I'd love for you to be able to stand and hear this Psalm 17:15 But as for me my contentment is not in wealth but in seeing you and knowing all is well between us And when I awake in heaven I will be fully satisfied where I will see you face to face. Friends, let me pray for us. Jesus, we need you in this place this morning. Teach us the secret of contentment. Teach us this secret, Lord. We don't want to be fatigued. We don't want to see our expenses keep going up because we're constantly chasing after more. We, we don't want more anxiety in our lives. We want more peace. Lord, we want less conflict. We want thriving marriages. We want our marriages to thrive. And we want to ultimately be satisfied in, in you. So, Christ, would you teach us this morning how to enjoy what we have and give you thanks right now and just say, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace in our lives in so many different ways. Help us to stop comparing ourselves to other people. Lord, be thankful for the life you've given us, who who you say we are. Lord, help us to focus our... our eyes on things that are going to last forever, ultimately our relationship with you and the mission you've given us. Help us to live that out. And if there's anyone in here this morning that that just needs to say yes to Jesus, here's your chance. Just say, Christ, I accept what you've done for me. I accept what you have done for me. Come into my life and show me how to follow you so that I can be a more contented, happy person for the rest of my life. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, church, love you. Uh, If you need any prayer, there's going to be people up here who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.